Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. Your host, Kevin Parker, your co-host, Scott Martin, here on a Monday morning recording on a Monday morning. It is draft week, and there are actually some Michigan State players, well, mainly one, but a couple that are uh, worth getting excited about here for the NFL draft coming this weekend. Uh, Before we get to all of that, we uh, we have a little game set up for the draft. We have some draft conversation that we will get to, some more general stuff regarding Michigan State. But uh, before we do, Scott, it was your bachelor party this weekend. I don't know how many, how much detail you want to go into there, but hopefully it was a good time. I was unable to make it due to, uh, well, us being very far away from each other in a physical distance sort of way, but Hope it was a good weekend. Yeah, everybody uh, survived. A couple scrapes and bruises, but uh, everybody made it back, I think, in one piece. So first priority was was achieved. Uh, no, it was a good time. We uh, we had a lot of fun. Got out on the boat. Had a place on the river, Tennessee River. Uh, did some hiking, some other shenanigans. And uh, yeah, made our way back. I'm ready, though. My... I'm ready to get back to not partying for three straight days. <laughs> uh, being 27 now, it, it feels a little different on the morning of that third day or fourth day than it used to back in uh, back in our early 20s. The the recovery time is definitely yeah. a, a different. You know, like I I find myself. I don't know about you. The difference between now and say seven eight years ago. It's not even during the day or the night of like how much I can I can still put away if if you're really asking me to. If we're at a wedding, if we're at a big thing and and we're putting away some booze, I can still put it away. It's just the next day, two days later, whatever it is. That's that's the whole the game has changed. Yeah, it used to be crawl down to the calf, freshman year of college, crawl down to the calf, get the biggest cup of Gatorade from the dispenser you could or Powerade I think they had slam that get some food in your belly and by like noon good to go yeah ready to go you know no matter how hard you went the night before and now it's like you're you're almost right in the next day away if you go too heavy so yeah a big night is a two-day recovery now which is yeah something that well, unfortunately, I, I'm sure most of our listeners are in the same bucket here, so they they know what we're talking about. 
I had an eventful weekend as well. We were also uh, in the wilderness. And Scott, I, I saved this because I want to get your honest uh, reaction to this. Because you're you're a, about the same level of outdoors. Maybe a little step up because you also do some hunting. So you're probably a, a, a step up from me in terms of outdoorsmen. But we're both in that kind of amateur outdoorsman category class i would say we're not you know experienced mountain men but we know our way around the wilderness and this weekend we were we were in the mountains as me my girlfriend and my dog uh my dog is a german terrier she's out give or take 25 pounds so we're we're hiking down this trail we get to kind of the end um it was a pretty slow weekend very few people on the trails we start turning around a loop back and probably 25 yards ahead of us comes a sounder, which I, I learned this, uh, this is the name of a group of wild boar, probably 10 to 12 boar running across our, our path. And so I'm having some thoughts. My girlfriend's have and some thoughts and then following the boar immediately following is a i don't know the collective noun for deer a herd of deer uh probably 15 deer running across the the same path they're they're heading from left to right across our face they go into the woods across a river up a hill and away from from our vision and so i want to know you're you're with your lady, you're with your dog. In this moment, I've never seen wild boar before, so that was kind of interesting. But I want to know, like, w- what's your reaction there? What are your first thoughts uh, as a as a outdoorsman? Um, obviously, you know the the typical. All right, stay calm. What what are we doing here? But uh, I would be more comfortable probably facing a bear that I came across than a boar, like a black bear. I'm not, I'm not fighting grizzlies, right. uh, like a black bear. I, I, I think I kind of know the protocol, right? You just kind of like stay calm, make yourself big, make a lot of noise and back away slowly. For those of you who didn't know, now, you know, <laughs> um, and a boar, I have no clue. I know they can right. be ferocious and I don't really know what makes them angry. My first instinct is always grab the dog because the last thing I need is yeah. this, is my dog either thinking it's another dog and wanting to go <laughs> sniff it, which is more or instigating likely, or trying to fight it, which is less likely for my dog. He's a giant wimp, but weird things happen when you come across new new things. Um, yeah, no, boar, I don't, I mean, you can't see them. They're little, right? They sneak around in the understory. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'd probably just uh, grab the dog and then just, stare at it see what its first move is kind of <laughs> feel out basically the situation. so luckily they were they were charged like they were they were moving i mean yeah. there was no stopping looking at us they were going and so that was my first thought i'm like i i've never seen boar i don't know the protocol like you said if if there's a bear if there there are certain things that i just kind of know all right with these you just play dead and hope for the best with these you like you said, you make yourself big. You try to be the alpha in the situation and and hope they go away. Uh, but with boar, I'm like I don't know what's what, where's the book? Like what do we do here? 
but they were all moving away and then the deer are moving away and so my next thought is what are they running from (laughs) like i don't think deer and boar are are great friends but they're all going the same direction here (laughs) so (laughs) it luckily you know we kind of waited it out and our dog was was sniffing and facing towards where the boar and the deer were running and not because that was where I would have started to get worried is if she's like yelping or sniffing the direction they were coming from. And that would be where I'm like, all right, something's good. Is this a pack of wolves? Is this a bear? Like, what are we dealing with here? So yeah, that's, you know, I love hiking. I love uh, being outdoors, but Every once in a while, you get in one of these situations where you're like, we do not belong here. (laughs) This is not our home. (laughs) A little reminder that you're just a visitor. You're in their, uh, you're in their backyard. So, yeah. So now I'm, uh, I've, I'm trying to do some research here for the next time we come across some boar. Uh, I have not yet done said research, so I can't tell the people, uh, what, what the best protocol is to do, but yeah, that that was a little scrape up that uh, I was I was a little worried, like you said, with with the dog especially because she's it's a German terrier, so they're they're a hunting breed. That's you know kind of going back, and she is she's got that instinct in her. So uh, we were kind of wondering what what's her next move going to be with crazy crazy situation that I've never found myself in in, in a long time of of camping and backpacking and hiking. So. Anyway, we have some draft stuff to get to here. And before we do, our friends at DraftKings have another special offer for you. They also have some good draft props out there, which is is always fun to bet the NFL draft. But it is the NBA playoffs, and the NBA playoffs have been awesome this year. I was just watching uh, the Golden State-Denver game yesterday, which went right down to the wire. Um uh, DraftKings is an official sports betting partner of the NBA, and this week new customers can bet $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Uh, your team doesn't even have to win. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also bet during the first round with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. Plus, place the same-game parlay each day with three or more legs and get up to $25 in free bets if one leg doesn't hit. So you get a little insurance there from DraftKings. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game during the first round of the playoffs and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right. Now, like I said, you can bet the NFL draft. There's some props out there. Uh, DraftKings has some good ones. But we're going to focus on on Michigan State here, obviously. And uh, maybe we'll see where that takes us in terms of the general NFL draft, maybe the Detroit Lions. Uh, I'm a big like draft guy. I don't know, Scott, if, if you're somebody who before the draft is listening to podcasts or finding mock drafts or watching tape of anybody, but this has always, always been a hobby of mine. Me and, and my buddy Marshall, we used to go dig deep on this stuff. I, I remember one year we did a seven round mock draft between the two of us 
pretty comfortably knowing everybody that we were drafting. Like this, this is something that I've always had a lot of fun with because I love college football. I love the NFL and it's, you know, the, the one kind of merger between the two and uh, being the draft it's, it's a, in the global scheme of sports, it's a pretty unique thing where um, it's this big televised event where your team is going to be picking these guys and, your guys from your college teams, which which teams are they going to and where? It's 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 a lot of fun for me. It's something I really enjoy. In general, are you a big draft guy? Are you watching? Are you watching day three with uh <laughs> with your notes out? So I I usually thinking back, the draft was always is just a random anecdote. Always the first set because it was always on a Saturday, right? The full draft was on Saturday until right before know, they maybe. split it to three nights and prime yeah. time and everything. And it was always the first day of my baseball league, so I loved the draft because it meant baseball season was starting. Um, so that definitely made me a fan for no other reason than than baseball. Um, but I, I like it. I don't go deep. I don't have the the time or the patience to learn i don't know 200 or 300 players however big the draft (laughs) pool really is each year um i like to follow along obviously i keep an eye on the lions i keep an eye on the michigan state guys and and any other big names um but it's not uh it's a little too broad for me i think to to really dive into and i always regret that when um fantasy football draft season comes along and I have no idea who the top rookies are and uh, just kind of uh, fly by the seat of my pants. But, uh, but I like it. It's a little spectacly. We were talking about this before we got on, like it's hard to watch now. Um, There's so much dead time between uh, picks where they're just pumping you with, you know, random ESPN programming or NFL network or wherever you watch. But you were saying this year they have a college football slanted broadcast as well. Yeah, it's there's ESPN and ABC are doing like the joint broadcast. So one of them, I, I can't find it right now. One of them is your typical Mel Kiper, Todd McShay uh, group. And then the other one is, I'm pretty sure it's basically like the game day crew. So it's like Reese Davis, Kirk Herbstreet. So that's where I'm going to go this year. And uh, I'm going to see how that goes. I, they might have done it last year as well. I'm I'm not 100% sure. But um, I've tried out a bunch of different, like PFF does their own uh, show on YouTube. They just stream it live. Uh, there's a, a website that I follow called The Draft Network. They do their own YouTube stream. But the problem with those two compared to an ESPN or an NFL network is just the production value. Right. So ESPN, they're cutting to highlights and they're doing this. And, you know, the draft network, it's just a bunch of dudes sitting around like a round table and they have a lot more insight into like what they think of these guys as like scouts and their process. But you don't get the whole watching the highlights and the 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 production value that ESPN or NFL network do. So and that side, you're, you're kind of limited, but. There are other options out there for people who do get frustrated by ESPN. But at the end of the day, it's just like you said, it's that whole commercialization thing. We got to stretch this out as long as possible. Primetime TV. The first round last year, I think, took like four hours. It's it's truly remarkable how 
easily ESPN is able to take something very simple and make it as long and frustrating as possible. <laughs> yeah, I just don't know how they can even come up with what is it, 25 minutes sometimes between first round picks worth of of stuff to talk about. But that's what they get paid to do, so I guess I shouldn't be that surprised. Well, you think think about 25 minutes between picks. Think about, I mean, it's been draft talk since what February was the Super Bowl? So <laughs> I mean they've yeah, already been filling two and say? a half months. So <laughs> what's an extra twenty minutes? Yeah, and to um, these guys, you know, sure, this is this is their Super Bowl, like Mel Copper, Mel Copper, Mel Kuiper, Todd McShay, um, guys like that. Like this is where they get to see everything come together, see if they're right, see if they're wrong, which everybody likes to do. But when you have when you're guys like that who have been forced to probably put out hundreds of takes every yeah. day on guys. It's nice to finally have that behind you and uh, start the whole process over again. Yeah, I was, I was listening to uh, one of the draft guys on CBS and he was basically like, I can't wait for this to be over. He's like, this is my whole, he is the like draft analyst for CBS. And he's like, it's just the last couple weeks is miserable because He's on every radio show. Everybody's asking him for his hot takes about the quarterbacks. He's like, I have said that Kenny Pickett sucks 250 times in the last two weeks. It's like, I'm so sick of this. It's unbelievable. Yeah. So what are we three days away now? Uh, yeah. Thursday night the is road. the first round. And, you know, it, it's fun. We'll start here. So with, with the Michigan State guys, it's fun to finally have it's it's been we're kind of looking through the list it's been about five years since we've had like a real national prominent name and obviously this year it's kenneth walker you got to go back to 2017 when malik mcdowell was picked he was the third pick of the second round but again just as somebody who follows the draft closely and is listening to podcasts and reading blogs and stuff like i found stuff talking about Kari Willis and Justin Lane, but your typical college football NFL fan, like you got to go down like some niche rabbit holes to find the Josiah Scott NFL draft profile conversations, right? Like you're, if you're just watching ESPN and tuning into NFL network and maybe listening to an NFL podcast here and there, you're basically getting the first round a handful of day two guys and the quarterbacks. And that's basically your draft coverage leading up to it. If you're just kind of following the mainstream um, stuff. So in that sense, it's been again, since Malik McDowell was a fringe first round guy in 2017. And then before that, we had that little run there where we had Darquez Denard, Trey Waynes, Jack Conklin back to back to back first round picks. So you know, we we have some good history in the draft. Obviously, there was uh, the streak that was broken last year where we were, it was something like, what, 80 years, whatever it was, uh, with, with somebody picked. And we had some good runs. The late 90s, early 2000s, you had a handful of first-round picks. You had Plexico Burris, Julian Peterson, uh, TJ Duckett was a first-round pick. Obviously, Charles Rogers was the second overall pick um, in, in 2003. But I mean, this kind of since Charles Rogers, really, there has been a long stretch of not many high profile guys. And then you had 
2014, 13, 14, 15. And then you had another kind of stretch here where it's your Monte Nicholson's, your Brian Allen's, Justin Lane, Kari Willis, Josiah Scott, Kenny Willekes, where it's maybe you can sneak into day two, but you're probably a fourth, fifth round guy. And uh, it's exciting just as a as a football fan to finally hear another name this year, Kenneth Walker, being talked about on a on a national level as is this the best running back in the class? Is this a potential first round pick that you haven't heard a whole lot of noise about him in the first round? But it's fun to have that kind of national prominence back. Hopefully that becomes a, a more regular thing here as the uh, you know, we talk about the Mel Tucker recruiting the ultimate goal of recruiting is to to recruit NFL guys. And so hopefully, hopefully we pick up some steam here and the draft gets more exciting as a Michigan state fan. Yeah, it really, it, it does looking at these draft lists from years past, it puts in perspective, the, the drop off in top level talent that we've had in the program, let alone where they've been drafted and what they've gone on to do in their NFL careers. You know, you just think about those down years after 2015 and the, 16 draft class which would have been following that college football playoff appearance had five departures five guys drafted in 2016 and since then we've had seven picks in the last five drafts which i i mean i haven't counted up gone back to count up but just a quick eye test you'd have to go back quite a ways to find a five-year stretch with seven or less guys drafted yeah um so it just shows kind of that that drop off in in putting out high level talent and it's obviously a um, priority for Mel Tucker to find guys who he can put in the NFL. I think it's very clear that he wants to kind of make that one of the pillars to his, to his MSU football um, program is, is this is a place we put guys into the league. And right now it's really not. Um, You mentioned since Malik McDowell, we haven't had a top tier draft pick kind of a first two days or pushing first day pick. Looking at this this list, Kevin, who's the last Spartan you can see who who you think really went on to, to have a meaningful, really moved the needle in the NFL? I think Brian Allen is starting to, um, yeah, with the starting job at the Rams. But I think you got to go back a little further to really find a name that established. You got to go to, yeah, you got to go to Conklin in twenty sixteen. He's he a two time All Pro now. Uh, yeah. I know he was an all pro as a rookie and I, I think his first year in Cleveland, he was an all pro as well. Um, you know, an offensive lineman, he's not going to get a ton of like national buzz and, and hype, but obviously is having a really good career. But I mean, even before like guys like Trey Waynes and Darquez Denard are kind of like crown jewels for Michigan state. They've been good they they're still in the league they're they're starting caliber players but they're they're by no means superstars um it's the same with with William Golston he's a starter on a super bowl winning team but you know he's not a superstar Le'Veon Bell obviously had a ton of success and then fell off a cliff as a lot of running backs do that's not just a Le'Veon Bell problem but um he was uh you know really burst onto the scene in Pittsburgh there for a few years so yeah had a, a few guys, but like I, I was just looking at comparing us, you know, obviously Ohio State is Ohio State. Michigan's had a lot of draft picks, but like you're competing against a team like Penn State in the Big Ten East. 
last season they had or last draft they had two first round picks and a second round pick year before that two second round picks the year before that they had a, a second and a third round pick the year before that a first and a second round pick like this is who you're competing with you're competing with ohio state you're competing with michigan you're competing with penn state all of whom are consistently putting out not just nfl players but first second round nfl players pro bowl players year after year after year so yeah you want to upgrade that talent level and and the nfl is a pretty clear indicator of if you have successfully done that or not yeah and i think at this point we should mention for this conversation just like recruiting that you're not defined by the amount of nfl your your program is not defined by the amount of nfl talent it can put out at the end of the day my belief is that you know a program is judged on wins and losses Right. First and foremost, rivalry wins, trophies, winning bowl games, winning conference championships. Um, but it is a barometer of of the talent that's around your program. Um, just like recruiting is a barometer for the high school talent you're attracting, your NFL draft picks are a barometer of the NFL talent you're supposedly developing obviously you have to see how it plays out in the nfl but um since it's draft season we're going to dive down this we probably don't go as in depth here typically because of that because you you really don't know how this is going to turn out kind of walker could be a total bust in the nfl and uh we could have connor hayward get drafted in the sixth round and uh, have a 20-year hall of fame career um <laughs> both are possible um, yeah, that's the beauty of the I so this is like a frustrating thing that in general this is always where I I try to not get too into the conversations on Twitter and stuff but like people will say stuff in the NFL draft about there's no way this will happen or this will definitely it's like dude none of us know nobody knows what will happen in the NFL draft or in their NFL careers. Like it's a, it's a crapshoot, And there's a reason that there are busts every year. There's a reason that sixth round picks become hall of famers every year. It's because nobody really knows. I think football is probably the hardest sport to project because it's such a complicated game. Like basketball like every superstar player was a top 10 pick. And sure, there are a couple of rare exceptions of guys who played internationally and like nobody even knew about them or something. But with basketball, you can pretty clearly see like, yep, that guy's really good. That guy's not as good. And there's more one-on-one opportunities. Football, it's, you know, was this guy used in the right scheme? Was he surrounded with enough talent like you have no idea and and it's we we see it every single year so so just don't be that guy don't be the there's no way guy because those are always just the worst so let's dive into this year's draft class for msu um first and foremost obviously kenneth walker uh uh, arguably, inarguably, RB1. I think <laughs> you ask most Michigan State fans, yeah. it's, it's not really a conversation. I don't know if um, – I, I obviously have seen some conversations about whether or not he is, Brees Hall, some other folks. 
I think that's more just to drum up conversation. I think if you you got anyone behind closed doors without a mic in front of them and asked, all right, really, who's the best running back prospect in this class? I think it should be Kenneth Walker. I don't know if that's rose-colored glasses, green-colored glasses or not. Uh, Kevin, where's your your barometer on that? You think he's objectively clearly the best Again, running back? I, I listen to a lot of NFL draft stuff and – there are a lot of people who have Brees Hall ahead of them. Uh, it's the running back from Iowa State. So so I, I was looking through uh, Arif Hassan on The Athletic. He every year puts together his consensus big board. So he takes 60 big boards from what he values as reputable NFL draft analysts and just compiles them all together, puts out the average and, and where these guys are ranked. So it gives you a, a good snapshot of the whole kind of draft community not you know of course every analyst has their slightly different boards kenneth walker was the rb1 he was the 36th overall player on this consensus board Brees hall was number 39 so if you ask the nfl draft analysts the scouts it's it's kind of flip a coin 50 50 from what i've heard um, and to me, it doesn't make any sense. Like again, green colored glasses, but you know, what's funny when I listen to people who have Brees Hall ranked ahead of Kenneth Walker and, and they'll be asked, okay, how, why is Brees Hall better than Kenneth Walker? And almost every single one of them will say this sentence. They will say something to the effect of, well, Kenneth Walker is by far the best runner in the class. When you give him the football, he is by far the best in the class at at you know breaking tackles, vision, everything. But well, his pass protection's bad and he doesn't have a history of of a lot of pass catching production, so I, I just feel more comfortable with Brees Hall. And I'm like, all right, wait a second. I get it. You want your running back to be a good and pass protection. You want to be able to send him out in the route tree. But what's the running back's number one job? Getting the football and running, right? He's a running back. Like, And so if you're saying, you're admitting that he is clearly the best in the class at the most important part of his position, and then you're looking at this other guy and say, yeah, but like, I'm still going to rank him ahead. And it just doesn't make any sense. Like if you're an NFL GM and again, you do the Mel Tucker thing, you watch 10 plays and you watch Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall side by side, dude, it's, it's night and day. It's, it's a huge difference in my opinion. You like this guy is special with the ball in his hands and this guy's, he's really good, you know, and it's, I don't see how you watch Kenneth Walker jump off the page, play after play, after play, after play. And be like, eh, this other guy is better in pass protection. We're gonna take him. Like, really? That's that's really what we're doing. So I I think when push comes to shove, like you said, um, he'll probably be the first guy off the board. But we saw this a couple like for people who follow the NFL, we saw this play out a couple years ago. Um, th- this exact same situation. It was Clyde Edwards Hilaire from LSU and Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin. And everybody was like, Jonathan Taylor, you get the ball in his hands. He's the best in the class. No question. He had like 2,000 yards, three straight years or something. But the Chiefs went up in the first round and took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because, 
well, he's the better overall back. And now Jonathan Taylor's running for like 2,000 yards a year in the NFL, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is an average running back. And it's, it's history repeats itself all the time. Maybe this is another one of those cases, but man, I don't know how you watch Kenneth Walker and come away with any other conclusion than he is the best running back in the class. Yeah, I'm sure I have some um, personal biases from watching Kenneth Walker, but it is hard to imagine someone watching, honestly sitting down and watching Kenneth Walker run the ball and not thinking he's he's clearly the RB1. Um, like you said, he just explodes off the highlight reel. Uh, we've all seen it. We don't need to relive every play, but it's hard to imagine a situation where he gets to the NFL and doesn't continue to uh, to open some eyes. I mean, he's he's great individually. He is great behind a team of offensive linemen. He knows how to read a line and read a defense and where they're flowing, and and he does those intangible things just so so well uh the way that he cuts the way that he makes guys miss the way that he controls his body weight and keeps his feet under him um i'm really excited to see him obviously i'm sure i'm preaching to the choir here but really excited to see him in an nfl uniform i think it's really interesting to think about him in different nfl schemes right i mean you put him as a spell back for Derrick Henry in Titans, I think he could do great things. Obviously, they're geared around the run. You throw him on the Chiefs, like you said, like Clyde Edwards-Alaire, where he's running routes every other play in pass protection and um, not really getting a true pro running look. I think it would be, I would I would say, a waste. Um, but do you have a specific team other than your Detroit Lions you'd love to yeah. see him on? <laughs> Uh, a lot of people were talking about the Dolphins before the free agency, but they picked up a couple guys. It doesn't really seem like that that would be the best fit. The The number one place I would love to see, number one, because of the opportunity that's there, and number two, because I, I think the scheme would be really good for him, is Buffalo. I would love to see him in the Bills. Him and Josh Allen kind of running tandem that would be a lot of fun. Um, but th- there are, I mean, he's, I just think he's so good with the ball in his hands that just about any NFL team could find uh, a good role for him. Right. He's, I don't want to say he's like, he could succeed anywhere. I, it, you know, what worries me is I keep seeing in this mock drafts, him going to the Houston Texans. And it's just like, I don't want to see him wasted on a bad team. So that's that's my one hope. I the scheme fit stuff, I think he'll be fine almost anywhere he goes. I just really hope for his sake that he goes to a contender and, and he's able to play for a good team because seeing him run for like twelve hundred yards on a four and what there's seventeen games now, so four and thirteen Texans 13. team, like I, that's something I really hope is not in his future. <laughs> yeah, he's got to get through the 35 through 38 is Jets, Giants, Texans, Jets. And that's kind of where yeah. I would say <laughs> we're going to start to look for his name to be called. I think if there's a sneaky team, like you said, the Bills at 25, but that's their only first round pick. Eh. Um, and the Bills don't pick again till 57. Like, that early second round, I think, is where it could. I saw him link to the Jets as well. Um, yeah. 
I mean, when was the last time you were impressed by a Jets running back? Right. Well, um, they have they have a rookie, Michael Carter, but he's more yeah. of a passing downs guy. So that could actually work pretty well. But again, this is like the Jets. Like, I don't I don't want to see him play for the Jets. The Jets already <laughs> were the turning point for Le'Veon Bell's career coming from yeah. the Steelers as like a top <laughs> running back in the NFL goes to the Jets completely gets just steamrolled just nothing yeah. nothing happens and the rest of his career has been silent so 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 we're gonna play a little game here um and and we'll start with kenneth walker basically what we'll do is we will just predict where we think these guys are gonna go uh, obviously every draft pick has a number assigned to it the the 32nd pick the 45th pick the 110th pick and uh, we're just gonna pick we'll, we'll give you an idea of kind of what round we're thinking uh what what mid-round late round whatever it is and we'll just kind of put a number to it we'll see how close we actually end up getting um maybe we'll uh, the winner will get a dollar or something i don't know but uh kenneth walker i'll start with him my prediction so i'm not going to predict the team because that's where we start getting messy but the way i i foresee this playing out is now the first round is is one night and then this the next day you have rounds two and three and so the first round will go by, no running backs will be taken, you know, and you'll start to get these conversations that, that once the draft is over the next morning between the scouts, the coaches, the GMs, whatever, and they'll start to look at who's on their draft board. And they say, all right, we got our guy in the first round. We're, we're good there. We filled our biggest need or we got the most valuable position, whatever it is. You'll start looking at the board on day two and say, all right, there's our sixth rated offensive tackle. There's our fourth rated linebacker. There's our, you know, fifth rated uh, defensive tackle. These guys are still on the board. But our number one running back is still available. And so I my guess is that somebody trades up into the not the first pick, but into the beginning of the second round there, a team like Buffalo who is loaded, right? They don't need to make seven picks in this draft. Their team is really good. They're a Super Bowl contender. And they're one of those teams who say, all right, you know, running back, it's not the most important position, but all of our most important positions, we got those boxes checked. Let's go get that one guy we need to make that push. So I'm going to, to put a number to it, I will say the 37th pick because that is where the Houston Texans pick. That's a team that just is terrible and needs a lot of players. So if somebody wants to come up with Houston, I'm sure they would be happy to listen to, you know, picking up an extra two or three draft picks to move back. So I'm going to say some contender, whether it's Buffalo, whether it's um, the Eagles, whether it's the, I don't I don't know, the Buccaneers, like, you know, one of those teams that is looking for that that one final piece to the puzzle and uh, and goes up. So I'm going to say 37th for Kenneth Walker. Hopefully like it. it's hope not he's... the original team picking it. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully he's, uh, yeah, on a good team. It'd be great to see him in, like, January football. Um I am going to go without the trade, but same area. I was just talking about the Jets. I Maybe I got won over by the one dude I was listening to 
uh, who was talking about him to the Jets, but I'll do 38th to the Jets. The Jets already had 35, so they can get kind of a bigger positional piece. That two first round picks too for the Jets. So two, so they'll be sitting pretty on their their need to haves. Uh, I like the tandem, like you said, at running back position there, and uh, yeah, just get Kenneth Walker in my hometown market so I can buy another New York jersey that ends up being a total bust. I have a Le'Veon Bell <laughs> Jets jersey that I've that has been out of my Don't closet put this exactly on one him. time. Uh, no, I wouldn't mind if it, I don't know the Giants. It doesn't really make sense with Saquon, uh, right? Like they would be fun in the same backfield. Whatever, he'd be a great like. I don't think Kenneth Walker's a backup running back, but he'd be a great like one two with with Saquon. Um, I'm just getting selfish and trying to get him into the New York market at this point. Right, I was going to say <laughs> Walker to the Jets at 38. Uh, they're they're going to have a lot of pieces already, so they might not mind spending a higher pick on a running back at that point. Uh, so back. To yeah, the, I think another team to look out for in that range. Seattle has 40 and 41 there. I think they're a team that really likes to run the football. I, I would keep an eye on them. but So we're both projecting early second round there for Kenneth Walker. Uh, not None of us thinking first round, but early second round he comes off the board. Now after Kenneth Walker, it starts getting more interesting. So again, I'll, I'll reference this consensus big board from Arif Hassan on The Athletic. Two other Michigan State players are mentioned here. Number one is Jalen Naylor. He is the 27th graded wide receiver, and he is 213th overall on the board. Uh, This board was 300 players. So you're looking at, uh, again, the 27th receiver. If you look at the NFL draft from last year, there were 36 receivers taken. So if we kind of follow that, if you are the 27th graded receiver, that that would get you drafted for sure. Now the question is where? Uh, We obviously know Jalen Naylor's game. He's a deep threat. He is a a guy who's going to stretch the field vertically. But he's a guy who has dealt with a lot of injuries in his career at Michigan State. Uh, he's he's very productive when he's on the field, but those injuries have to scare you off. Uh, the combine wasn't excellent. Uh, he ran like a four or five flat in the 40. His jumps were good, but for a guy whose you know, number one trait is his speed and, and ability to stretch the field, you would hope that he would have run a little faster. Um, not to say that four or five flat is slow. Please don't be the guy that's saying he's slow. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's just he's a tough guy to project because I think if he had a whole healthy career and we saw him on the field more, not just from a sense of like he would have a clean bill of health going into the draft, but he would have more opportunities to showcase what I think is a more well-rounded game than he's given credit for. But at the end of the day, it is what it is, right? He's got 1,400 career yards as a guy who was playing a lot as a freshman. You would hope that that number would be a little higher. Um, 13 career touchdowns. Again, as a deep threat vertical guy who was involved in the offense for four years, you would hope to have a few more touchdowns on your on your resume. So 
it's it's a mixed bag with Jalen Naylor. Um, Scott, what do you think his chances are, first of all, of, of getting drafted and then where we would be looking for him to come off the board? Yeah, wide receiver is a tough one. Um, you mentioned his repertoire might be a little underdeveloped or at least he just doesn't get the full credit for, for what he's able to do. Nonetheless, if, if you're an NFL team watching his tape, I think you really see Jalen Naylor as kind of a flyer of a pick. You know, you don't really, obviously, you'll see the rounds we're talking about here. I think sixth-ish, seventh round, somewhere day day three. Um, I think he's a flyer. You don't, you can't really rely on him to come in and, and definitely even necessarily make the team, but hopefully make the team can't really rely on him right off the bat to, to jump in and make a difference um, at the NFL level. I think finding a place where he can be in a play action heavy system would be helpful for him to run those double moves. He ran so well in college, get into that space in the NFL defenses. He's not a guy who's going to play a lot in the box around the line of scrimmage with a lot of uh, traffic around him. I, if we're just diving right into this, just to throw a team out there, Minnesota has three uh, sixth-round picks, and they have good wide receivers right now, but I could see Jalen Naylor potentially being a good backup to a guy like Justin Jefferson. Um, Can stretch the field, can play vertically, decent jumper, um, and obviously plays really well in the play-action-heavy system we ran last season, really thrived in it. Um, So that's a name to look for. I think it's going to be a decent team with a good wide receiver room who just adds him to bolster it as a kind of a a flyer who could fill in and at least give you one thing you know you're going to get right off the bat with him if you put him on the field and that's his speed and his ability to stretch the field like you said so minnesota they have 184 191 and 192 let's throw him in at 191 i, I like that fit i i was also looking at a, a team that is going to play some play action and and use that vertical stretching element. I was looking at a team like the Titans. I was looking at even like the Rams, I think would be a pretty good fit for him. The Colts could be up there. Like a team that, like you said, you, you rely on that run game and then you take some shots downfield. And again, Naylor, it's not just the speed, right? Obviously he's fast, but his tracking down the field is is really impressive. And some guys just kind of have that and some guys don't. It's the same with outfielders in baseball, right? Some guys just have a really good feel for where that ball is going to land. And, uh, and Naylor has that. You saw the perfect example with that one-handed grab in the, the Peach Bowl. That was just a really impressive ball tracking to know exactly where that ball was going to wind up. Um, in, in accordance with his route and where he was. So I, I do think he gets picked. I, I'm going to go a little bit later than you. Again, I, I like the Titans as a fit here. They, they are, they're pretty weak at wide receiver right now outside of their number one, AJ Brown is a stud, but um, I think they're going to take some flyers here and I'll go. They also are a team with a couple of sixth round picks. I'm going to go late in the sixth round though. Uh, number 219. That's the third to last pick of the sixth round. Again, for some context here, um, just so because I have this um, this board up here, 
the he was the 27th wide receiver ranked on the consensus board last year the 27th wide receiver came off the board at pick 204 so right in the middle i would say between our selections there so middle of the sixth round i think we're we're both going to be somewhere in the right range there with uh with jalen naylor hopefully here he hears his name called a little bit earlier but again just being realistic i think the injuries are the the thing that's going to hold him back the most uh unfortunately but the last big name here and then we'll see scott if maybe you have another surprise spartan in the mix but connor hayward is the other guy on the consensus board he was uh overall player number 273 there are 262 draft picks this year so if you're just kind of following that might not get selected in in terms of just looking at the raw numbers but he was listed as the fullback two or the tight end 14 Last year, again, we'll use this this draft class as a reference. There were 11 tight ends drafted. There was one fullback drafted. So if he is indeed the 14th tight end or the second fullback last year, that wouldn't have quite been good enough to get his name called. But Connor Hayward, we've talked about before, is just a really unique player. And he's going to have some teams that absolutely love him. And he's going to have some teams who crossed him off their board in September and said, this is not a guy for us. Uh, I was looking at, I mean, one second while I filibuster here to, to pull it up. There's a website called Mock Draftable, and it will give you like this spider chart of every player who was invited to every player at the Combine. But uh, also they have some pro day data in here as well. But it's like, it gives you your percentile measured against like 20 years of data. And (laughs) when you compare Connor Hayward to other tight ends in the last 20 or so years, his height is the zero percentile. He is 5'11 and 1'8. He is in the bottom of the bottom as far as tight ends height. Weight, 233 pounds he measured at the combine. That is the second percentile. His wingspan is in the ninth percentile. His arm length, 11th percentile. Hand size, 24th percentile. Like before you even get to the athletic stuff, his just raw measurables are not normal for an NFL tight end if he's indeed going to be a tight end. So, you know, he's going to have to fill that H back, fullback, tight end role, moving around in the uh, formation, moving around in the offense. And a lot of teams are going to look at a 5'11", 233-pound tight end and say, nope, I don't care what his film looks like. I don't care if he runs a 4'2". He is not on our board, and and that's it. So I, I would guess that you're looking at a pool of 8 to 10 teams who even have him as a draftable player, right? There are probably 20 teams who just cross his name off the list I don't care if he doesn't get drafted. We're not even going to bring him in for a, a an undrafted free agency because he just a, does not fit our profile. He does not fit our offense. He is not somebody that we are remotely interested in. So the question is, those 8 to 10 teams who are interested, how interested are they? 
Yeah, this is uh it feels like kind of a toss up here on if you were to put your money down on drafted or not. I think he's right on the cusp and I mean you just laid out it's a very intriguing prospect, NFL prospect. Um so for the sake of being an optimist, I'm going to say he gets drafted. Um I think there's some Dan Campbell-esque uh guy out there in the NFL calling shots. And maybe it is Dan Campbell. Uh, maybe yeah, just, I was just going to say. <laughs> fall in love with him because he's a football dude. He's, I mean, he's got the lineage for whatever that's worth. Um, and he can just do so many things well. He's like a Don Kelly for the NFL. He does everything good. Doesn't do really a whole lot great. Um, other than catching the ball when it's in his catch radius. Uh, he does that phenomenally. Uh, but if you're looking at teams... It's really hard to peg. I got my eye on two teams um, for different reasons. So I'll start with the 49ers because they have Kyle Juszczyk. And I know it would be very hard to rationalize rostering two fullback H backs, <laughs> probably in the NFL. But if they're looking for a little insurance, like that, um, you know, that Madison Delvin Cook combo in, um, in Minnesota, but for, in a different position. Pick up Connor Hayward. God forbid something happens to their H back one. Uh, you got a guy who you could really, you know, test out the waters with, see what he can do in that slot. And, at least, and in that know, case, right, if you're assuming you're drafting Hayward late, he could be a practice squad guy for yeah. that role, right? You know, that's that's always a possibility. Or a special teams guy. He has a plenty of history, both returning kicks, ironically, back in the D'Antonio days. <laughs> Which is terrifying. Something, something tells me he's not going to be an NFL kick returner. <laughs> but he could be on the kickoff team. He could be on, you know, punt coverage. Uh, there's a few things you could do with him. Um, the other team I'll go with is the Steelers. Uh, just given his ties to it, his brother mm. plays on the Steelers now. His dad is from Pittsburgh. Um, he seems like a kind of a Mike Tomlin kind of guy. Um I just I think it could be a good fit. They run that hard nosed style on offense. I think they could find a few different uses for him. They're picking at 241, which is about 15 picks from it's about 20 picks from the end of the draft. So it'd be pretty early, but maybe at 241, the other pick, and this just feels too good. This is why I picked the 49ers to talk about first. Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft, 262. <laughs> he just seems like a guy that would come in and get drafted with the last overall pick to the San Francisco 49ers. That, that does seem perfect. And I, this is, I, I went down my, my brain rabbit hole, which is always dangerous, but I don't know if you remember, this was like when we were kids, middle school age, the Packers had Najee Davenport and he was 250 pounds returning kicks. So, Hey, maybe Connor Hayward fills that niche. He is a niche guy. He's not for everybody, but he is for somebody. And maybe somebody has that <laughs> that zig where everybody else zags. Um, no, like you said, I, I think Dan Campbell would would like him, but we we have uh, what's his Nick something who kind of already is that fullback rostered. He just got a contract extension too. Um, Man, it's it's going to be tough to find a home for him. Unfortunately, I I do think, like you said, I'm I'm going in that same range. I'm going. I think those teams again, those eight to ten teams or whatever it is, 
they're going to kind of enter that seventh round and and basically every team entering the sixth and seventh round, they're basically playing chicken. And there are certain guys on their board where they're just seeing how long they can wait before they can get them. Because once it goes to undrafted free agency, then the players have their selection, right? The teams offer contracts and the player gets to pick. And so it's actually a situation where they've talked about this many times, but if you would rather, as a player, you would rather be an undrafted free agent than be the 260th pick in the draft because you might get to choose from three or four different teams and you can kind of see which situation you think is going to be better for you. But I I do think that it's going to get to that seventh round, those eight to 10 teams. They, they know who each other are. They're saying, all right, we got this kid, Connor Hayward. We really like him. We really want him. You know, we don't want him bad enough that we're we're sacrificing elsewhere, but it's the seventh round now. I know there's a couple other teams who really like this kid too. Um, let's see how long we can wait, how long we can wait. And in the end, somebody at the end of the seventh round is going to 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 end up taking him. Maybe it's like a trade again, like uh like I said with Walker, maybe it's somebody trading back into the seventh round to make sure that they get this kid into training camp to see if if he can fill that role on the roster. I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs at 251. They have had this kind of role in their offense. They've had kind of that move H-back, fullback guy. Their fullback right now, whose name is escaping me, I know he's old, and so maybe they're looking for, for a kind of replacement. Travis Kelsey's also old, so... You know, maybe they're looking to limit some of his snaps. I don't know, but I, I think the Chiefs are an offense. Andy Reid, he's really creative with his play calling. He's really creative with how he gets guys involved. I'll go with the Chiefs again. They they have a couple of seventh round picks. I'll go with two fifty one because they're first of two. No, they're oh Jesus, they have like five seventh round picks. All right, so if the Chiefs are interested, the Chiefs are getting <laughs> Connor Hayward. They have like six seventh round picks uh but i'll go 251 there for hayward uh, on the board all right we're gonna be watching with bated breath to the uh the last name called in the draft this year which will be what the last question here what odds would i have to give you where you would take the will a th- will a fourth spartan get drafted like, are we talking 10 to 1, 100 to 1? Like, what odds would you be like, all right, now I'll put $10 down on it? <laughs> God, I don't even know who the number four would be for this. Like, Kevin Jarvis, AJR Curie, he's like 6'7. <laughs> Somebody might be interested. Man, um, I got to go back and look at the roster from last You'd, year. You would have to that. give me. A hundred to one odds before, like before anything less than that, because it's one of those things where again we obviously know it's it's a it's a waste of money. You, I I would be shocked if another Spartan gets drafted. So you would have to get me up to a hundred to one, where where at that point I'm like, all right, why not? You know, yeah, hey, let's let's take a shot. But I mean, even at like even like sixty to one, I'd be like, eh, no. <laughs> that's not worth it. You could look at one of the offensive linemen like Jarvis, Matt Allen, AJR Curie, defensive line. You've got Drew Beasley and Drew Jordan, but 
I Panda just, Shook. as NFL guys, I mean, right. I yeah, it'd be tough. I think hundred to one at least, and even then, I'm probably not touching any of that with a ten foot pole. So right again, like for the Beasleys and Panashooks, like Kenny Willickis barely got drafted. He was a late seventh round pick, and if Kenny Willickis is barely getting drafted, I would be shocked if Drew Beasley or or Jacob Panashook uh get get their names called so hey i i think those are guys who are going to be in training camps i think they they were productive enough that you know somebody will give them a look but i would be shocked if they were priorities for somebody so we will see it's like you said the draft is as we're recording three days away so it's it's really exciting time and we will be there to recap next monday where all of our guys went and we will have some other things that we'll talk about as well so until then good luck to all of our spartans this weekend and we will see you guys next week go green go white take care folks